Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Batman Ninja in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. So a couple of things. Uh, firstly, I'm not going to be able to see Infinity War until, well, if this episode's coming out on Wednesday, Saturday, this coming Saturday from now, and that means, and I won't, I'll be gone until the following Wednesday over the weekend on vacation, a s- small vacation. So the earliest that an Infinity War episode can be released to you guys is next Friday from when you are here when this episode was released uh so i realize that's kind of far from uh, the opening of it and uh by that point you'll have heard everyone else and their mother who have done an infinity (laughs) infinity war episode but that's uh that's the best i can do i'm going to see a friend uh who lives a little outside of the city and uh told him i would see the movie with him and so that's what's going to happen. Um, I'm very excited. I, 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 you know, I'll, I've also heard everybody and their mother talk about the new movie pass changes to their terms of services and whatnot. I was really looking forward to watching Infinity War like a dozen times, or you know, filling in every off day with a version with a showing of Infinity War since it's being played at the closest proximity theater to me. Uh, but it looks like that's not going to happen. Now that you can only see one different movie, or, or one each movie once, uh, I know that when that before when that was uh, part of their terms, it was only every pay period once. So in theory, if your pay period started on the 18th of the month, like mine does, uh, then once the next cycle rolled over, you could watch the same movie again. Um, I don't know if that's still a thing. Even if it is, I don't think it really applies to me because I paid, because I'm currently on like the yearly prepaid plan, so it might not even work that way in my case. Uh, so I don't know, but yeah, uh, unless the off chance happens where we end up seeing the movie in a, a premium format over next uh, over the weekend for the first time, and I'll be able to use Movie Pass the second time I see it, I don't, I don't see myself seeing it twice because it's just not worth the money. Uh, so, that being said, uh, I didn't want to leave you guys without a superhero movie, though, so I am going to be talking about Batman Ninja in today's episode. Uh, no spoilers, it's a, it's a movie, guys, uh, Batman Ninja, so, just to kind of get, so, um, I watched it, like, half English-speaking, half Japanese-speaking, Partly to, partly to make the film qualify for all the credits of the cast on both sides of the voice cast uh, for my spreadsheet. Um, but also, just like at some points, I was uh, unable to focus my attention entirely on the screen. And so like I couldn't read the subtitles and I needed to hear it and that kind of thing. Um, personally, uh, I don't think... I mean, unless you're super, super bothered by the voice not completely matching up with the lips. Uh, I think the English version is perfectly fine. It's a really strong voice cast. 
uh, featuring a lot of people that I'm very familiar with uh, and that I'm sure you might not know by name, but I'm sure you've seen their work other other places, including uh, Tony Hale, who voices the Joker. Tom Kenny does the Penguin. You've got Tara Strong as Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. Fred Tataskior as Gorilla Grodd and Deathstroke. So a lot of a lot of really good um, voice voice actors in this movie. Oh my God! It's the second time. Let me just turn off these stupid alarms. So I record in the morning, uh, shortly after I wake up, and I set all the alarms for myself. Um, anyway, so uh, simple premise: uh, Batman Ninja. Uh, the early scene of the movie is Batman confronting Gorilla Grodd, at, who has created a machine that in that ultimately sort of malfunctions uh, due to Batman's interference and ends up transporting everybody, Batman, all the Batman allies, all the Batman villains, back to feudal Japan. Um, and... Uh, for some reason, Batman arrives like two years after everybody else, conveniently. And when he gets there, all of the enemy, you know, Joker, Two-Face, Deathstroke, Penguin, Poison Ivy, whatever, they're all feudal lords in Japan now, each, you know, fighting over land there. Uh, he decides that despite the overwhelming odds and uh, unfamiliar terrain and territory, it is up to Batman to free feudal Japan from the clutches of his longtime arch nemeses. And uh, that's kind of the that's kind of the premise of the film, which is interesting. Uh, it's 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 completely like anime style. The animation is actually pretty amazing. I think, you know, it looks great. It has a sort of a more violent version of um, Studio Ghibli's animation going on. Uh, think something, think like a more modern variation on uh, like Grave of the Fireflies in terms of the quality of the animation. It's, it's pretty stunning. And the character designs for all these people transported back to feudal Japan is brilliant everyone in this movie looks amazing and everyone is in this movie ivy harley quinn joker batman robin red hood red robin catwoman uh grod deathstroke two-face it just it features every single big name pretty much every big name batman character uh, that that most people will be familiar with and that is, in and of itself, the, the best part of this movie, is just rediscovering these characters in a new land, in a new world. Because, you know, I'd never really given it that much thought, but, man, Batman is a kind of perfect shonen character. You know, when you compare him to something like... When you compare him... And, I mean, I, this is probably true for a lot of comic book villains, or comic book characters, but you compare him and his rogues gallery and his allies to a to like a manga like Naruto or Bleach or something and it's just all the unique characters, their unique abilities, their unique talents, their unique styles and the way they look and act and, and the powers that they have 
it's perfect for a shonen manga or, or anime. It, it just really fits in that world pretty flawlessly. Um, uh, you know, all the character designs that are so unique and so varied in such a wide array are truly <clears throat> brought to, into full effect in Batman Ninja. And that is like the best aspect of it. You know, you get to watch, you, you know, you get this sort of familiarity of, um, you know, Japanese anime with also on the other side of things, the familiarity of Batman. And, and you know, he's still Batman. It's not like these characters were created and, and brought up in uh, feudal Japan because that would be a very, very different movie. It's all of the present-day Batman characters transported back then. Uh, so it really does feel natural, but it still has that modern sensibility of, of the plotting and, and the plans of the villains and, and how everyone sort of uh, assesses things and, and what's going on. That being said, uh, all the best qualities of the movie... Um, which, you know, it has the best things that Japanese anime can really translate over into a Batman movie. It also has some of the worst qualities of anime involved in it, too. Uh, first and foremost being giant mechs. Man, uh, for a Batman movie, there are a lot of giant mechs involved. There is... And then, like, beyond that, there's, like, a bunch of little shit turning into a giant thing. And the logistics of that thing make no sense to me. Uh, it, it's done... It just... It doesn't make... It, it doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. You can't... You know, if you have, uh, you know, a hundred human beings joined together to create what, from far away, looks like one giant human being based on like where everybody's standing and attached to everybody else, that giant human being is not going to be able to punch very well at all. Right? Like it just the, the physics of that don't make sense. And there's an analogous ver version of that in this movie that really struck I really struggled to like not roll my eyes over pretty hard. Uh, beyond that, you've got you know, it, it, it the movie does um, take a lot of liberties with information. Uh, so, unlike something, you know, when you're looking at, uh, you know, the DC CW shows or the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the D DC Cinematic Universe, all of these things have to in introduce to you all of these characters that they eventually intend to use. You have to know their origins. You have to understand where they came from. You have to figure out what make why why they're doing what they're doing, what their plan is, what what their particular niche in this universe is. And Batman Ninja isn't really concerned with any of that. All of the villains have the same motives. Uh, all of the characters have no backstory. So you have to understand what each character, who each character is going in. Uh, you know, personally, I've never heard of Red Robin. I don't know who, and I don't know how that character fits into the Batman mythos. But pretty much everyone else I, I was familiar with on one sense or another. And uh, 
to a certain degree, like, I kind of enjoy that. I, I don't need an entire, like, 30-minute history on why Gorilla Grodd can speak and why he's so smart for a monkey, or gorilla, technically. Uh, you know, I don't need to figure know why Batman, or uh, Joker and Harlequin are working together. Like, it just makes sense. Like, visually, I understand why they're working together. Like, they're, they have the same aesthetic, you know, they, they have a repertoire, they have a a back and forth that, that works. And so a lot of the time that's fine, but there are in, you know, instances that don't really fit. Um, particularly like the bat family in this movie, because you've got Robin, Red Robin and Red Hood who really don't get a ton of screen time. They're very marginal in the plot in itself. And so I, I don't understand like why they even needed to be there in the first place. Like, if you just had Batman and, like, say, Catwoman, that's probably good enough, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Because, like, the principal villains of the film are, for the most part, Joker and Harley Quinn, and 2v2, you have enough characters. Like, it's how a shonen anime works, right? You have all of your main fighters fight another person on the other side that is equivalent to them in one way or another so batman fights joker harley quinn fights catwoman uh you so i don't know it's definitely got some issues i think and uh it it doesn't it, it could work it would be so interesting as like a series i think and you could play around a lot with this world and and having batman in it um, there are some pretty spectacular action sequences um, toward the end. The final showdown that Batman is a part of, I really enjoyed. Uh, not just the animation of it, but the choreography of the fight is is pretty fantastic. Um, I've always felt like the the biggest issue uh, is is that. At the end of the day, you know Batman's going to win, right? I mean, that's that's a problem with all superhero movies for the most part. And uh, the, ones that, the ones that really buck that trend, the few that there are, aren't, you know, they don't have, you know, their endings aren't satisfying. And so for this, for Batman Ninja, there's a significant like time skip between the end of the movie and the epilogue which well I say time skip but more like time uh, travel and I was kind of upset by that like I wish there was no way for them to get out of this situation right because clearly I, I mean obviously they do that just to make sure that for future DC animated films, they don't have to worry about like, well, what happened? Why is Batman? Why wasn't Batman still in feudal Japan? Uh, but if considering like just how different this movie is from all the other DC animated films that at least I've seen, I don't know why it couldn't exist in its own separate world, right? Like, why not just you could have many more films that take place in feudal Japan. Uh, you know, you could even bring other DC characters back to feudal Japan who can travel through time. You, uh, you know, that that's perfectly viable and, and I think would be, would make for a far more interesting, like, 
follow-up to this movie. So, I don't know. It's 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 a pretty middle-of-the-road film when I average all these things together. But, they're, you know, it, it's, in, it's fun to see Catwoman and, and Batman and, and Grodd, you know. Like, there's a scene with Grodd bathing in a bathhouse, which is so fascinating. And, you know, Batman as a samurai ninja is, is really cool. And, uh, you know, you've got... Um, I, I don't know. It just, it, it just manages to fit so well. And, I, you know, credit to the character design and creation that they used in this movie because you never... You, you know that these characters weren't meant for this world that they're in, but they feel so at home in it. And that is the true mark of a kind of timeless character. Uh, you know, a character who can kind of transcend the period where it was created. You know, Batman is, is an old character. You know, he didn't, he wasn't created in the 90s. He's like decades and decades old. And so the fact that the year he was created all those years ago he's still relevant today you know he was in a movie last year and he'll be in movies years from now but you can put him in a movie like this where he's in he exists in you know centuries ago in feudal japan you know what would this look like in say ancient egypt or the renaissance or colonial America or or whatever I you know there's variations of that and that would you know there's ways that those probably would work so I I think it's it's great that DC and I guess Warner Brothers is involved in this somehow yeah Warner Brothers animation so like I'm super I'm so happy that they're like willing to explore this with the character at least in the animated form uh I don't know if this would ever work in live action. I would love to see it, uh, but it's it's not um, particularly. I don't know. It's it's not as big of a draw, I guess, to see Batman in feudal Japan. But if they're you know studios super concerned with overseas markets now, maybe this is a thing. Put him in. Ancient China, if if Chinese box office is so important to so many people, it, it could work. That's all I'm saying. It could work. Uh, furthermore, uh, you know, I'm I used to be like really big into anime and manga. I you know it was only like two two years ago where I you know I had a Crunchyroll and Funimation subscriptions and stuff, and I was watching twenty some odd anime every season so like 70 to 80 anime in the course of a year and uh, most were bad but a lot were really fascinating and like it's such an interesting media form as compared to the film the hollywood film industry uh, television in america even like european stuff and there are so many things anime does that I, I miss that I, I you know I miss being able to experience so much of it. About the only exposure I have to anime slash manga anymore is One Piece, which is the only thing I've really kept up with. Because uh, it was kind of like one of the first anime manga I ever got into, and so like I'm current with that. 
And, you know, this Batman could 100%, you know, be just as popular as something like a One Piece or a Naruto, you know, Ninja, Naruto, um, Batman villain, like the Batman villains and um, stylized world really would, you know, is comparable to something like One Piece, whose characters are such a wide array of personalities and appearances. Uh, and then even during this, watching this movie, I got a lot of, I felt a lot of connections to something like Bleach, uh, where there are a lot of characters, like, there's a moment where I was like, oh man, such and such character reminds me of such and such character from Bleach. It, it just, it, it fits in that, um, in that formula surprisingly well. And, uh, you know, I think there's something to that. Will it ever be more than Batman Ninja? Maybe not. Uh, but hopefully, with a little bit of success, a little bit of uh, press and and popular popularity from the release of this, uh, we might see some more stuff uh, similar to Batman Ninja, which I would totally be down for. I think that'd be super cool. So... I'm pretty good on Batman Ninja. I liked the movie. It's fairly short. It's less than an hour and a half long. Uh, if you can get a hold of it, uh, you can check it out. I think you can find it on Amazon and the DVD. It's out on DVD as and and you can find it on iTunes and things like that. So it's definitely acquirable. It's not like you have to go to the theater or anything because I know it's definitely a madhouse there with all the records that Infinity War is breaking. And yeah, Batman Ninja. It's it's good. Not great, but it's good. I, I would put it solidly in the like upper third of animated DC movies. I would say. Um see if I can find my list of DC anime movies. So I would probably put it somewhere around, like, Batman Year One. It's another DC animated movie. Or Dark Knight Returns Part Two. Justice League of the New Frontier. These are kind of my top half of DC animated films. Justice League, Crisis on Two Earths. But it's not like Under the Red Hood. Or Part One, Dark Knight Returns. It's, it's not quite that that good. Because, uh, again, my, my biggest issue was the mechs, to be honest. That was, that was a pretty big problem I had with this movie. But, I don't know. If you like mechs, then uh, maybe this is for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because there are, there are good mech anime. And, I mean, it's not like this misuses mechs. Like, they do exactly what they're supposed to do. It doesn't reinvent the mech or anything like that, but Batman Ninja, check it out. You'll you'll know after like five minutes if it's if it's a movie for you. So it's not it's not gonna throw you for a loop or, or surprise you after the early part of it. Uh, yeah. So it's Wednesday. Um, I'm gonna thank you for listening. That's pretty. That's the end of my review for Batman Ninja, and we're now gonna step into an insane weekend 
update for the Cinderella's Fantasy Movie League. We sink into our seats right as they dimmed out all the lights. A technicolor world made out of music and sheen. I mean, how hard can that be? Week 9 has passed us by, finally. And it went with a bang. Uh, we have not only the biggest um, opening weekend for a single movie ever, it broke the true Friday, Saturday, and Sunday single-day records of all time. Uh, it, it was a monster. Infinity War just kind of crushed everything in its path. And uh, Sunday ended up being your best performer. But that was still didn't kind of solidify what the best lineup was going to be until actuals finally came in and it turned out to be two screens of Avengers Infinity War Sunday, two screens of A Quiet Place and four screens of I Feel Pretty. Uh, there was a, even a window where Sunday could win BP and not feature in the perfect cineplex at all. Uh, but it did and the only perfect cineplex this week was Plexi. Uh, that perfect cineplex amounted to $202 million for the week. Uh, and uh, the previous high in the season, at least, and I think in the, I mean, across everyone for, for, for a perfect week, would have was week three, which, which topped $165 million. So uh, even a big step up from that. It's one of the highest weeks we've had to date. Um... You know, only one week last season, top 200 million for a perfect cineplex, I believe. If I have, well, maybe week 12 did. I don't, uh, nobody got a perfect cineplex that week. Either way, one perfect cineplex, it was Plexi. That is his second perfect cineplex in a row and third on the season. So, in the very unlikely case that he gets four more in a row, perfect cineplexes, he will break the record for most in a row and tie the record for most in a single season. That perfect cineplex was enough to move him up from fourth place to second place overall, just $3 million off Rahman, who had the lead. Rahman came in very close to the PC with a $195 million weekend. Rybone uh, stays in place in third with $193 million dollar weekend and director's cut unfortunately and i believe i saw this in a one of the topics over the weekend that um he did not get a chance to set his lineup after monday or or something to that effect and uh, ultimately ended up with a very super troopers two heavy lineup that did not do well for him and so with 132 million dollars drops from second to fourth place Rahman, Plexi, and Rybone all have have entered the billion-dollar club this season uh, with 1.025, 1.022, and $1.017 billion, respectively. They are all over 90% of a perfect season at this point, with Rahman at 91.11% leading the way. Director Scott, however, does hold on to the most BPs on the season at 22 uh, Rahman at 21, Plexi at 20, and Rybone at 19. Follow them up. Um, this is the second week that Plexi has won. Uh, seven, weeks 7 and 9. He won both of those. Uh, best tiebreaker on the week uh, actually goes to Rybone, 
who's just about $2 million off of the Friday total of $106 million. His guess was about 104 So uh, very good on that, and uh, moves him up to fourth in terms of the average tiebreaker distance. This week, we are going to be predicting the score for Infinity Wars Saturday only, as the as Infinity Wars is getting split yet again. Uh, this is also, uh, so Raman still in the lead after week nine. So this is the seventh week that he's in the lead in a row. And um, continues to create some distance between uh, Swagner in fifth place in terms of week in the lead and grows ever closer to Plexi's 14, which is the next person above him. Um, has now passed the halfway point for the total number of weeks leading in a row statistic, uh, held by Chauvin with 13. And um, PCs in a row uh, is currently the record set by, uh, held at three. So Plexi, one week away from tying that record. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, it was a huge week. Oh, why did that? Uh, it's a huge week, and I think the season's always only going to get bigger. I I don't think there's a chance anybody's going to hit two billion dollars uh, in the entire fantasy movie league, but I suppose there's a small, small chance of that. Um, if you had a perfect season up to this point, you would have one billion one hundred twenty-six million dollars. So the distance is not quite as far, but no one has that. I think the highest score right now is like 140 or 1.045 billion give or take so uh, there's still still a lot of room to go from that point it's it's unlikely um moving on to that's about it I, I think actually yeah uh, so all that being said uh, we have <clears throat> Um, a great week 10 to look forward to another split, three new movies and I think we get one more week, clean week after that before we end up with Deadpool Deadpool's opener and then after that we have Solo opening in the final week of the season pretty crazy sequence of events here at the end of the spring 2018 season we will see what happens when the dust settles and uh, that's it for today's uh, Fantasy Movie League update. Thank you so much for listening to the entirety of this episode, if you are still listening. I appreciate it for uh, a lot of reasons. Um, if you would like to get in touch, you want to talk, you want to recommend a movie, talk about a movie, if you want to share with me a top movie list of your own, uh, you can do that either through email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, at circleoffilm. You can uh, you can look at the website circlefilm.com and uh, find all the other episodes of this show, uh, as well as statistics and lists and other various data. You can support the show patreon.com/circleoffilm or leave a review or or rating anywhere you can do that with podcasts. Greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and as always. Have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view.
Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.